Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Tax Security Podcast, where our panel of experts from the security teams of the Cisco Technical Assistance Center discuss Cisco security product configuration, troubleshooting, new features, and hot issues. Today, we're going to be talking about certificates, and we're going to be talking about the basics behind certificates. We're going to be talking about how you can use certificates in your networking deployments, um, specifically with Cisco routers, Cisco ASA firewalls. And then we're going to talk about some uh, best practices and common tech cases that we see where customers are having trouble implementing or, or using certificates. So with me today in the studio is a regular panel of experts. We've got Magnus Mortensen. Hey, Magnus. Hey, Jay. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. We've got Blaine Dreyer. Hello, everyone. We've got David White, Jr. Hey, Jay. And we've got Jay Young-Taylor from the VPN team. Uh, he's our special guest today, and you may remember him from the AnyConnect episode that we did a couple episodes back. What's going on, guys? Well, today we're going to start off uh, talking about the motivation for using certificates in your enterprise. And uh, we really want to stress that you know certificates are becoming more and more popular. They're being used more and more by enterprise security deployments because of a lot of the you know, solutions that they offer and the ease of administration that they offer once they're installed and your certificate infrastructure is going. A lot of our customers that we talk to about certificates are sort of scared or apprehensive about certs because they just don't know how they work. Um, unfortunately, the average, you know, the customers that we talk to on the phone when we're dealing on TAC cases in a, in a lot of cases, don't have a really good grasp of the fundamental technologies of certificates. So what we hope with this episode um, is that after you listen to this, you should be able to you know, have a grasp the basic concepts of certificates and, and how you could use them in your organization. Yeah, we're, we're seeing more customers using uh, certificates for functions on the ASA like SSL VPN, both, you know, AnyConnect and Clientless. Yeah, in the past, uh, you know, most installations for remote IPsec or remote access were done using IPsec. And that was traditionally a pre-shared key, uh, you know, pre-shared key nature. Um, we could always do certificate-based authentication, but, you know, most, uh, most, en- most uh, customers would tend to use the pre-shared keys just because it was easier for them. Um, but now since we're moving away from that sort of IPsec nature uh, for remote access towards SSL-based, we lose the ability to do um, the, the pre-shared keys and everything is definitely heavily based on certificates. Right. Another stimulus of uh, using certificates, as Magnus mentioned, with the SSL connections for the you know PC clients or Mac clients is the addition of smartphones. So with smartphones, customers also want to be able to connect their phones back into their corporations in order to get to internal web servers or possibly even get to their mail if they don't have like something like the Microsoft MME access. And that requires, again, a client on uh, their phone, and they don't want to use OTP or one-time passwords, uh, and they don't want to use pre-shared keys because phones have a higher probability of getting lost than, say, your desktop PC or, or even your laptop. So they're oftentimes moving on to certificate-based authentication uh, on the clients on the phone as well. So that's one of the drivers of using certificates is using the AnyConnect client on uh, the smartphones like the iPhone. And again, as Magnus mentioned, that requires uh, SSL and thus requires certificates. Yeah, another place that uh, PKI is really useful in is in DMVPN deployments when you have thousands of uh, spoke branch devices sitting out there and they're constantly being added and going away. Um, the management of pre-shared keys with thousands of devices can be a huge administrative burden. So with PKI, you get um, uh, things like auto-enrollment and the ability to, uh, at will, revoke a certificate from a particular device. Okay, so we've heard uh, some motivation and some use cases for why, 
ways certificates can be very useful and you know really help along with the the administrative portion of managing your network. So now let's talk a little bit more about the technical details surrounding certificates and and how they actually work. So I think to um, you know to get us started and get us kicked off on this thing, we really need to think of certificates as a hierarchical model where at the very top of this pyramid change or this hierarchy is something that's known as the CA or the Certificate Authority. And the Certificate Authority is the device or the server that is signing, maintaining, and distributing different certificates to requesters or to you know web servers or users that are requesting their own identity certificate. Okay. So, yeah. So, um You've got this guy at the top called the Certificate Authority. So what we're doing here is we're shifting away from a point-to-point trust model where you would use pre-shared keys for one person trusting another and moving to a more hierarchical model where the the guy at the top of the Certificate Authority is the ultimate trust. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to have uh, people coming in and getting certificates from the certificate authority, and because they tr- trust the root and the tr- and the root trusts them, then the two peers below can trust each other. It's a transitive property of trust rather than a actual one to one trust. So uh, an example of that is say just imagine Dave was the CA and he's studying aspiring. And we've got Blaine and Magnus coming in. And Blaine and Magnus are, are new agents for Dave. So he gets he hires them. Now Blaine and Magnus need to talk to each other, but they need to be able to know that they're trusted. And they don't they don't want to set up a, a one-to-one relationship with every other spy inspiring. So what Dave's gonna do is he's gonna give a badge that says, I am Blaine and I work for Dave to Blaine, and I am Magnus, and I work for Dave, to Magnus. So when Dave and Magnus meet together, they can exchange ID cards, say, hey, we both work for Dave, and since we both trust Dave, we can both trust each other. And at the same time, they can trust that they are who they say they are, that Magnus believes that Blaine is Blaine, and Blaine believes that Magnus is Magnus. They are who they say they are, as well as being able to trust each other. So. So real quick, guys, take this t- example you just did to um, something like uh, an implementation of VPN where you've got a whole bunch of spokes out there. So mm-hmm. in that case, you know, how does this map over to like a DMVPN deployment, for example? Okay, so in the DMVPN, the usually like the hub that terminates all the connections from the spokes, you would make that also your certificate authority. And then all the spokes would be like Blaine or Magnus. They would be spiring agents out there. So when they all connect to the hub and then they need to learn that they need to speak spoke to spoke, Magnus and Blaine would build an IPsec tunnel between them and then they would exchange their certificates and learn that they trust each other and build the IPsec tunnel. And the big thing about that, I guess, is that you don't have to configure pre-shared keys for every single tunnel endpoint to each endpoint. Um, in a, like a full mesh design, it would, that would be a whole lot of keys to maintain. So. Exactly. Yeah. The work you're doing is logarithmic because it's uh, hierarchical rather than um, it's going to be almost an exponential amount of work if you do a full mesh. 
So the follow-up question to that is, okay, what if uh, Jay came online and he needed to say, hey, I want to get in this ring and I want to build connections to Blaine and Magnus. Let me just generate an ID card that says, Dave, hi, I'm Jay and I work with Dave. So how can we prevent this J guy from getting into the network and counterfeiting an ID card? Well, the details revolve around cryptographic algorithms used. What we need to do is take a step back here and talk about cryptography. Most things that people know about cryptography is you use a key to encrypt data and then you use the same key to decrypt it. That's called symmetric cryptography. Another section of cryptography that most people don't know about is asymmetric cryptography, where you use one key to encrypt and one key to decrypt, two separate keys. So that's why it's asymmetric. You encrypt with one and decrypt with the other. Now, when we generate keys, those two keys, they're generated as a pair and they're mathematically linked together. We generally label one as a private key and one as a public key. So, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's a private key that I am going to keep to myself and a public key that I can allow anyone else there out on the internet or anywhere in the world know about. So how we tie this back into our our model is Dave has a public key and a private key. He's going to keep the private key to himself and give out a public key in all the certificates that he has. And it's this use of this private and public key that is included in the ID cards that make it impossible for Jay to counterfeit the ID card. So kind of pulling into this whole badge ID spiring model idea, um, there's this concept of something called a CSR, which is a certificate signing request. And what that it sort of relates to in this whole example is when I first signed up under, you know, Dave Spyco, um, I had to get myself a badge that said, it, you know, I was legitimately Magnus. Now, in the this whole process of requesting the badge is similar to that of a certificate signing request. What I do is I take my public key and I send that off to Dave, Dave the CA. And Dave goes and he generates the certificate my badge card and sends that back to me. Now that badge, as we know, is, you know, very specific and it's unique and it's not counterfeitable. So I can now exchange that badge, that certificate with Blaine. Um, and that's kind of how the CSR function works. It's that sending of your public key in order to get a certificate generated for you. This whole process can be done using something called SCEP, Simple Certificate Enrollment Protocol. And what's nice about that is it lets you distribute these certificates to endpoints like DMVPN routers or spy agents, if you will. Uh, Rather than having to manually share and provide those certificates, they have the ability to actually do that sort of request, a very simple method. Another thing that PKI, uh, or private key infrastructure, allows is for a concept known as the certificate revocation list, or a CRL. And what this is, is, well, let's Go back to our spiring example of Blaine and Magnus. So when Blaine and Magnus want to communicate to each other, they're going to show their ID cards, which were issued by Dave or myself. So if Blaine wants to talk to Magnus, Blaine's going to hand Magnus his ID card. And Magnus can look at that and say, okay, it was issued by Dave. I trust you. However, optionally, Magnus can say, 
well, I trust you that this was issued by Dave, but let me go check with Dave to make sure that you're still a spy and you're not a double agent. And what an administrator can do is they can go to the certificate authority or to the CA and revoke a certificate that the CA issued. So even though certificates are typically valid for some time period, like one year or two years, an administrator can revoke them at any point in time. So if I found out that Blaine was a double agent, then I would revoke Blaine's ID certificate. So when he goes and shows his his ID certificate to Magnus, Magnus then checks with Dave and says, is this certificate still valid? And Dave would say, no, it's not valid because Blaine's a double agent. So Magnus would say, wait a second, I'm not going to share any secrets with you because your certificate or your ID cert, even though it's um, authentic, it is no longer valid anymore. And it's not only things like CRLs that can go and invalidate a certificate. Certificates themselves have a built-in expiration date, sort of a certain validity time frame. And just like ID cards that we have in everyday life, be them spy ID cards or driver's licenses, there is a certain point when that does expire and it is no longer valid. Uh, what's nice about the whole certificate process is those kind of things can automatically be regenerated and redeployed and provided to your endpoints so they can get fresh certificates that are also up to date. So there are some times when you'll need to move certificates and keys on and off devices. Um, that can be when you have a device generate a certificate signing request, which will include its public key, and then you submit that to a CA to uh, have the public key signed and, and a certificate created. Uh, you'll then move the certificate back onto the device. The other time is when you uh, have your public key signed by a CA um, like VeriSign or GoDaddy, and you actually need to back that up. So you'll back it up by removing the certificate off of the device, and you'll actually um, be using Base64 encoding, and the format for the certificate will be, for the ASA and the iOS devices, will be PKCS12, and that format includes your identity certificate, the private key from the device, and all the certificates up the chain to the CA. And that's a key, important concept and a, a must for deploying uh, PKI in an organization is backing up the key pairs. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But so now that we've talked about some of the technical details about certificates, we can talk more about how you might be using them in your uh, deployment. So one of the really common you know, deployment scenarios where people are using PKI more and more is uh, SSL-based VPN. Yeah, so with SSL VPN, obviously there's a couple types. There's WebVPN um, on the ASA or iOS as well as the AnyConnect SSL VPN client. And obviously since those are SSL-based, they require certificates. Now there's two ways of getting a certificate. Um, our devices, they allow you to generate a self-signed certificate, which you just you know go through the, the process of generating yourself a certificate, but it's only signed by you. It's not signed by a um, reputable certificate authority and therefore when your web client comes in and tries to access your SSL portal they're going to get some warnings and some errors saying that you know the the browser cannot validate the authenticity of that certificate that was presented and that's really not a good thing because that's the whole point of the PKI model is to you know validate the authenticity and that nobody is actually spoofing you um, so therefore, you know, we, we highly recommend that you actually get a certificate from 
a trusted certificate authority, you know, like the VeriSigns out there, um, like the GoDaddy's, they're, you know, about $100 or so. And one of the key things that you need to do is when you're doing SSL VPN is when you request that certificate, you need to make sure that it's a web server certificate or an IPsec server certificate or an SSL server certificate. Depending on which company you go with, they have different terminologies all for the same thing. So I know Microsoft, I think they use web server certificate, um, but uh, VeriSign might use SSL server certificate. So make sure you choose that option. Otherwise, when you install it on the ASA or the iOS device, uh, even though the certificate, the ID certificate was issued, it's not the correct type that um, we're we're looking for, and therefore it won't work. Um, So make sure when you choose your certificate, your ID cert, to be issued by one of the main CA certificate authorities, that you, speci- that you specify the right type. And if you're unsure, uh, please look into it or ask somebody for help. Another example of using certificates in your network, um, specifically for encryption and for voice technologies, is with the ASA phone proxy functionality. So your ASA can also, uh, besides doing normal firewalling and VPN, it can also act as a media termination device. Um, and specifically, we call that... In- one, one instance of that is phone proxy. That works by having a trusted uh, TLS uh, encryption connection between the remote phones that are, say, at your user's uh, houses behind their cable modems, and they connect directly to the ASA. Um, I won't go into too many details about phone proxy, but specific to this conversation, the, cert- the uh, encryption is done via TLS, or transport layer security, and it uses certificates. And the way that, um, you, one way you can do that is by Every phone, or most phones that are being generated by Cisco now, contain a manufacturer's installed certificate. So it's an ID cert that Cisco loads onto the phone when the phone is manufactured, and it's obviously issued by a master certificate authority. And so for those remote phones to connect to your ASA, um, all you need to do for that trust model to be made is to import the uh, uh, master CA authority public key into the ASA. And at that point, the ASA will be able to authenticate those remote phones that have that manufacturer's installed certificate stamped into them, and then the phones will be able to connect and make calls. Yeah, so just like the phones, they each get a certificate. Uh, when you use any connect, you actually have multiple options. You could either just use a username and password to authenticate the end user, or you could give the user a certificate. And that would allow the user to connect with any connect and they wouldn't even have to type a username and password in. It's kind of, That comes in really handy when doing things like start before logon where you're logging into an active directory and auto mounting your home drives and everything like that where you need a VPN connection built prior to logging into Windows. And a- another kind of usage for signed certificates, uh, you know, that's uh, along the lines of both phone proxy and the AnyConnect is the concept of auth proxy. Um, you know, with auth proxy, it's through the box traffic uh, that you want to have network control, network access control over. So, for example, you want to have your users log in to you know a, a portal prior to accessing the internet through your firewall, for example. Uh, the ways that you can do that on our products are going to be both clear text and then also using. A, an encrypted method, and most people tend to, pre, um, you know, want the encrypted method because that way they don't have to send their uh, credentials in clear text over the internet or through their network. Now, when we start doing these encrypted methods, it's just like going to your bank's web page, for example. 
when you go to your bank's webpage, you form an encrypted tunnel, that uh, SSL tunnel between you and your bank, and your information is exchanged in the encrypted method over that. If you go to a bank's webpage and their certificate isn't a signed certificate, or you go to a webpage and it presents you with a certificate that's not signed by anybody you trust, like VeriSign or GoDaddy or any of the big CAs, that tends to look, you know, untrustworthy. And with functions like AuthProxy, you can do the same thing. You can import an identity cert from uh, somebody like uh, VeriSign or GoDaddy, and that way, when your users access the internet and have to authenticate, they trust essentially where they're authenticating to, that secure connection to your firewall. And I guess if you don't have that uh, CA certificate, you know, authenticated on your device, then your users get that pop-up, you know, that you know, scary certificate pop-up. Not, yeah. yeah, certificate not trusted, do you wish to, uh, do you wish to proceed? And, it, and as, you know, every device out there basically says, this is not recommended, you know, do not proceed. So the cool thing is, right, that you can, when you're doing any of these things that we just discussed, you could either pay for a certificate and uh, join into an existing PKI like VeriSign or GoDaddy or Thought, or if you had a big enough organization, you could spend the time and effort and build your own uh, PKI infrastructure. And in that, you're going to need a certificate authority. Our iOS devices actually act, can act as a certificate authority and work perfectly in like a DMVPN environment where you're going to be issuing out thousands of spokes. Um, the ASA can also be a certificate authority, but there's some limitations in what the ASA can do. The, the, the certificates that it give out can only be used for any connect or, or client list logging in. They can't be used for IPsec. Okay, so if somebody's got some routers in a little lab or they're studying for their IE or they have you know, some routers laying around, they could then turn on the CA server functionalities for that and then use that for, to learn more about this and enroll clients and do all that. Absolutely. You don't need to go out and join someone else's PKI. You can just build your own yourself. Great. And Microsoft also has a free certificate authority um, software server as well. Yeah, it's actually highly integrated into Active Directory. So it, that's a great way that I see a lot of people pushing out clients uh, certificates to their clients. Whenever they join a domain, they get a certificate that's pushed down to them for their use. So we've talked about um, some of the implementations. So let's talk about actually when you're on the command line of, say, your ASA or iOS device, what what are the commands you're going to use and what are the objects in the configuration and on Flash going to look like when it comes to certificates? So the configuration on, on the ASA and iOS are pretty much identical. Um, what we do is we, we have defined this concept of a trust point. And a trust point is a container where we contain certificates. So it can hold an ID certificate and up to one other certificate authority certificate. Now, what we do is we're going to bring in all of our trusted CAs and put those each in their own trust point, and then the certificates that we want to own that we will request for, we're going to generate a trust point for those. So the trust point is just a general container for all these different certificates on iOS and on the ASA. Yes, exactly, and they're configured the same way. So uh, there's a great document out there that steps you through exactly how to do it for an ASA for, for setting up the SSL VPN. You can just Google for ASA certificate space third, that's 3RD, 
and it's going to be the first link out there. And you click on that link, and it's going to give you each individual steps to go through. And we'll include information and direct links uh, in that as well as some other a good certificate information in our show notes. So look for those show notes uh, to get direct links to this information. So in these trust points, I, I just mentioned that you can install an ID certificate or a CA certificate. So how can you distinguish the difference between it? When you type show crypto CA certificate, it's going to show you all the certificates that, it, that exist on the box. And it's going to show you both the CA and the ID certificates. When you type that command, at the very top of it, there's going to be a line that says certificate or CA certificate. At the beginning of each section, if it says just certificate, that's a certificate that you own, that, that's on that device. If it says CA certificate, it's going to be a certificate owned by someone else. It's going to be, um, it's going to be your GoDaddy or Thought or your own certificate authority cert. cert. So, okay. Um, so we've talked about how you might want to use certificates in your organization. We've talked about what a trust point is and how you can see some information about the certificates configured on your router. Uh, we want to take some time now to talk about some very important best practices when, secure, when using certificates because we ha- have heard some horror stories in the TAC where customers have encountered real problems because they didn't do some very basic things when they were first setting up uh, their ASA or their iOS CA server. Um, so these are really important things to, to pay attention to. So some of the horror stories that Jay was talking about are devices where times where, say, a port on a, on a router dies. So you call up TAC and you say, okay, look, my, my port has died. Can you send me another? We say, sure, we'll send you another. But the RSA key pairs are stored on that bad router. and We need to get them off and onto the other one. Well, the problem is, is when those keys are, uh, are joined together at time of generation, and they're marked with a property, whether that they're exportable or not. So if you don't mark it exportable at the time of the RSA key generation, then you won't be able to get that RSA key pair off. And thus, the ID card that you have is now completely invalid. You have to get a new one to be able to get your new device up and running. So um, I've written a document on the support forums on how to go ahead and back up your certificates in a PKCS12 format. That's, a, that's an industry-wide standard on how to store a certificate. And if you take a quick look at that, when you're setting this up for the first time, go through, back up your key pair, back up that PKCS12, Keep it in a secure location so just in case something happens to the router, then you can always put a new piece of hardware in there, load up that certificate, and get back to operation. So for our ASA users that are using um, them as a CA, so and, and as well for those ASAs that have authenticated and imported a a certificate signed by a CA, they can go and do this now, right? They can go and back up those keys for the most part um, at a secure location, and they can do that now. But for our iOS users, you know, it's something that you'll, to export those keys, you'll have to mark the keys as exportable and give them that exportable argument when the keys are generated. Is that right? That is correct, yes. Now, you can always validate what your current RSA key pairs by typing show crypto key my public RSA and hit enter. It's going to actually show you all the 
key pairs out there and whether or not they're exportable. Now, if somebody has a key pair that wasn't exportable, they're they're unfortunately stuck. Yes, that's um that that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so another really important point and a best practice uh, for PKI is to set the time correctly on the device. The easiest way to do that is to have all of your devices point to the same NTP source. And the reason that that has to be in place in order to work with certificates is that certificates uh, become valid on a certain date uh, at a certain time, and they also expire on a certain date at a certain time. And so if your device is off um, by even a small amount of time, the certificate could be not yet valid or already expired. And when you have devices that have times set differently from each other, that creates all kinds of mess in your PKI. So you want to have all of your devices within a PKI set to the same time source. Yeah, and we see that routinely with um, customers that are installing PKI and certificates for the first time because that's not something that they that they think about. And so when they go to install their certificate, they can't get it to work. And why? Well, because their time was off by five minutes and they still have to wait another five minutes before the certificate is valid. Or think. They think the router the router says it's 1993. <laughs> yeah, too. So um, this one's going a little bit more technology specific, but in the SSL realm, which is primarily where you see this used, um, the common name, the ish, the subject name, is going to be the website that you're going to go to. So if you go to say Bank of America in your your URL bar, that has to match what's in the certificate. If you're setting this up for yourself, you've got to make sure that you also control the DNS zone or the DNS entries that you're going to be putting into your certificate so that those will match up. And I guess one other final one that we've seen time and time again is the the difference between the crypto PKI authenticate versus the crypto PKI import command. When you use the crypto PKI authenticate, this means I am going to put in a CA certificate into a router. When we use the crypto PKI import command, that means we're going to install an ID certificate into the router, a certificate that I own. So sometimes what we've seen is when customers are installing the the certificate that they got back, their ID certificate, they use the wrong command. They use the crypto PKI authenticate command. Now, luckily, the router accepts it and says, okay, this is a CA certificate, and it goes on its way, merry way, and it actually works. Then, for some unknown reason, their box reboots due to a power failure or they, they had their monthly reboot cycle, and then it comes back up. And it doesn't work anymore. Well, that's because when the router is looking for an ID certificate and it doesn't find one, whereas it's got a CA certificate. So whenever you're importing it, follow the instructions that that we've got already laid out in that, that, that document. Don't use the crypto CA authenticate command when you're bringing the certificate you own. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about um, keys and certificates on devices. And, you know, one point that we have touched upon a, a couple of times, but we want to drill home, is that you should back up your certificates. Um, you can run into a couple of different problems. Uh, it could be as minimal as losing a spoke router. Um, you know, it, it 
crashing, the um, config being wiped, or you just have to RMA the device. And then you have to put another router in its place. Um, in order to maintain the PKI and, and put the certificate back on the device, you have to have backed it up in the first place. So that's, that's a minor event, right? A catastrophic event is you don't lose one spoke, but you lose the hub in a DMVPN situation, and you have to replace the PKI on an RMA'd hub. In that case, it is very important that you have, have backed up the uh, certificate and the chain and the root cert uh, in order to replace that. Otherwise, you'll be building an entire new PKI for all of the hub and spokes involved. Yep. So uh, we don't want to scare you off. Um, definitely certificates are an important new technolo you know, technology that uh, we're going to be seeing used more and more. It makes sense for a lot of reasons. And so we hope this episode has... Uh, helped educate you a little bit about the basic fundamentals behind certificates, if you didn't know that already, as well as um, some common use cases and some best practices when using certificates on ASA and iOS. Well, that's it for this episode of the Tax Security Podcast. You can check out other episodes by going to the episode webpage at www.cisco.com slash go slash taxsecuritypodcast. You can also go to supportforums.cisco.com and search for Tax Security Podcast in the search field, and you'll see individual pages made for each episode. And we'd like you to comment within each episode um, in the discussion page under each episode your, your questions um, or if you need to follow up on something that we discussed in the episode, please do it there. You can also email us at securityshow at cisco.com. Please let us know what uh, future shows you'd like to hear as well as your comments about the shows that we've done. Remember, you know we're doing this for you guys. Uh, we want to hear from you to see if you like the show, what you don't like about the show and what you'd like to hear about in the future. Alright, thanks for listening. Jolly good. I like the jolly good. we got to leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs>